All right, all right. Well, hey, welcome to Sojourn Church. My name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here and uh, just grateful to gather with you today to, to hear you guys singing every week. It's always so encouraging to me just to hear brothers and sisters lifting up their voice to the Lord, singing about his love and his grace and his kindness to us. So uh, I'm thankful to gather with you every week and hopefully you're encouraged as well. Uh, we're going to be in the Bible again this morning like we are every week as we preach. So if you need a Bible this morning, if you just want to raise your hand uh, and somebody will bring one around to you so that you can read along with us today. And just keep your hand up until they find you uh, so that you can uh, look at where we're going to be today. You know, uh, questions in life are, are an important part of understanding, of learning, of growing. You know, when we are growing up, we tend to ask a lot of questions. My son Owen right now is almost four, and he asks a whole lot of questions because he wants to understand things. He's discovering the world around him. And if we continue to grow and learn in life, we continue to ask questions but how I answer Owen's questions about any given topic doesn't just tell me a lot, a lot about him and the things that he's curious about. It also reveals a lot about myself. What do I know and believe about whatever it is he's asking about? I mean, for instance, if Owen comes up and he asks me about the rules of baseball, I, I can give him a pretty solid answer because I know the rules of baseball. I've played baseball. I like baseball. And so I can inform him about that. But if he asks me about nuclear physics, it's not going to go so well. Now I can make something up that maybe sounds good to him. I mean, maybe kind of crazy if a four-year-old asked about nuclear physics anyway. But that aside, if he asked me about that, I, I'd be a little bit lost. At best, I could give him maybe something that kind of sounds right. And at worst, I'd just be flat out wrong. Also, though, if he asks me about something that I'm deceived about, I could give him an answer that I think is true, but is completely false. For instance, if he asks me about the earth and I tell him the earth is flat because I believe that the earth is flat, then two things have happened. I've deceived myself. I continue to be deceived, but now I've also led him astray in thinking something that's not true. Well, today is a morning of asking questions, important questions for us to consider as we continue to talk about being on mission as followers of Christ. We started this series a few weeks ago, and we've been talking about calling one another to what God has called us to do as individuals and what God has called us to do as a church. And that is to go and share the message of the gospel with people around us. We desire to see more and more people come to an understanding of the gospel. And so we need to ask some questions this morning that I, I hope that we have the correct answers for, for ourselves, but also for those around us who we're seeking to take the gospel to. And as I've said over the last three weeks, I long for our church to be a church that is committed to and engaging in the mission that God has called us to. I don't want us to ignore it. I don't want us to sit back and not participate in what God has called us to do, to take the message of grace and hope to our city with the hope that more and more people might come to know and follow Jesus. And I've said multiple times over the last few weeks that disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. But here's our first really important question that we have to ask. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple? And we may say, well, the answer to that is a disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus. A person who knows and follows Jesus. But, but is that answer enough? Maybe the question we need to ask is, what does it mean to you to know and follow Jesus? See, how we answer this question is critically important. Because if we don't have a right understanding of what it means to be a disciple, then we're not going to be making true disciples. See, mission and evangelism is about calling people to something 
But we have to ask what and who are we calling people to? Sojourn, I want us to be a church that is committed to making disciples. So let's look at scripture this morning and see what Jesus has to say about that. Before we open up the word this morning, let's just pray that God would help us to understand this. Father, I give you thanks that we can come together once again, week after week, and sit and stand and sing and hear your word preached. Lord, we desire to grow as a church, both in our individual relationship with you, but as a community, as a family. We want to be focused on you, live our lives in a way that's pleasing to you, be a church that's obedient to you. And so, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, I pray that we would engage in your word and see how you've called us to engage in mission. And Lord, that we would see the answer that Jesus shows us of what it means to actually know and follow him. And that would sink deep into our own heart, our own soul, so that we might take that message to others as well. So Lord, illuminate your word for us this morning. I pray for your spirit to help us to understand it and apply it in the way that's glorifying to you. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll go ahead and open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew is the first of the four Gospels. It's the first book in the New Testament. And so flip over to Matthew chapter 16. And we're just going to read a few verses here from the words of Jesus. Matthew 16 verse 24. Matthew writes this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And there's a lot of good stuff going on here in this text challenging words from Jesus, hopefully encouraging words from Jesus, and they're important words. So let's jump into what he's saying here. Verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, these men that are gathered around him, who he, at one point at the beginning of his ministry, said to them, follow me. And these men literally dropped everything that they had and followed after Jesus. And he says to them, if anyone would come after me. I mean, these are important words for us to pay attention to. If anyone would come after me. If anyone wants to know me. If anyone wants to follow after me. If anyone wants to be united with me. Then this is what needs to take place. See, what we need to see in this is this is not just one option among many options. If we want to know and follow Jesus, this is the only option. So what does he say that a person must do? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself And take up his cross and follow me. He lists out these three things. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. And what does all this mean? Well, Jesus is calling people to turn away from self-interest and self-focus. Deny yourself. But then Jesus uses this example. He says to take up your cross and follow him. And we have to understand for us that the cross is not a nice piece of jewelry that you wear. See, for the disciples, the image of the cross was very real to them because during this time in the period of history, the Roman Empire would use crucifixion, hang someone on a wooden cross as a form of persecution, a form of execution, in a brutal as it was, if they were an enemy of the state. 
So when Jesus says, take up your cross, the disciples very quickly know that he is talking about death of some kind. So what does it mean for us to take up our cross? Well, one thing it doesn't mean, and sometimes we hear this, is it's not about the little disappointments in your life. It's not about personal struggles and difficulties. Maybe you've heard or said yourself, well, we all have our crosses to bear. That's not a biblical idea. Jesus is calling people to die to self. He's not saying, look, you just have to to bear with some of the difficulties of your life. He's saying, no, I want you to remove your old life. I don't want you to, to, to live in the reality of your old life. If you want to come after me, if you want to know me, you can't remain with one foot in your old life and one foot in your new life. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, I want all of you. I came to rescue and redeem the whole of who you are as a person. If we are going to know and follow Christ, we can no longer be concerned with and consumed with self-interest. Contained in this verse is what I think is the kind of the core of our response to the gospel. It's the core of our response to the gospel. So we have to ask ourselves another question. What is the gospel? It's good for us to go over this again. And maybe this is the first time you've heard this, or maybe it's the millionth time that you've heard this, but it's good news for us this morning. And it starts with understanding our reality. See, there is one God and he is perfect and holy and he is perfectly good. He created men and women in his image to live under his lordship where he would be king But these image bearers of God rebelled against God, believing that it would be better to be like God than to live a life of worshiping and following God. The scripture calls this sin. And the effects of sin had an immediate and eternal consequence. And that immediate and eternal consequence was death. It is death. It's a physical death and a spiritual death. And it's entered into all the world and it's affected affected all of humanity for all time. All of humanity suffers the consequences of our sin and rebellion because all of humanity continues to rebel against God. Scripture says there is no one that's righteous, not even one. We continue to believe the lie that it's better to be in charge of our own lives and be like God instead of worshiping and following God. We will die physically because of this. And we are dead spiritually because of this. If nothing changes, then we will spend an eternity separated from God, bearing the punishment of our rebellion. You may say, well, why do we have to spend an eternity bearing the punishment for our rebellion? Why that? That seems like a really long time, an unending amount of time. That seems really serious. But the reason it's so serious is because of the magnitude of our offense. We've rebelled against holy God, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. But see, God is not just holy and just. He is also gracious and loving. See, he doesn't just leave us in our rebellion, though that's what we deserve. He sent his son to be our rescuer. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the truth that Jesus is the only son of God and the only savior of the world. He came to us as one of us to rescue us. All of humanity has been crushed by the effects of sin. Because of sin, there is suffering in our world. Because of sin, there is death in our world. But Christ has come to set us free from these things. And he did it by living a perfect life of obedience. Something that none of us can do. 
He then willingly laid down his sinless life as a substitute for us. He went to the cross to bear the righteous wrath of God against sin, against the rebellion of humanity. He died the death that we all deserve to die. But it doesn't end there. Three days later, he rose again as the resurrected king, definitively defeating sin and death. He is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. And he has come to redeem and restore a lost and broken humanity of which you are a part of and I am a part of and we contribute to. See, this is good news because apart from Christ's life, death, and resurrection, all of humanity would be dead in our sin and separated from God forever. It's good news for us this morning because Christ has come to us. It's good news because Christ came to give us life and give it abundantly. Man, it never gets old hearing that. It never gets old rehearsing that. Again, whether it's the first time or the millionth time, that is the greatest story that you could ever hear or ever believe. And if you're a follower of Christ and you hear about God's redemption of you through Christ and you think maybe this morning, maybe right now you're thinking, why are we talking about this again? Why do we always come back to this? And this morning, I'd encourage you to look at your heart. This is and will always be the most important thing you could ever hear and believe. We never move beyond it. We need to be reminded of it. We need to be refreshed in it constantly because we so often, we don't let the reality of the gospel have its full effect in our life. We don't live out the implications of the gospel, being disciples of Jesus because we've forgotten what it is that Christ has done. He's given us new life and now we can follow him. And I think that's exactly why we need to take time to look at what Jesus says here in Matthew 16. In light of our state and in light of, God, of Christ's good work, he calls us to. He calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. If we want to know Jesus, then these are the things that we do as we respond to his grace. See, at the core of this call is the call to repentance and faith. Repentance is the idea of turning away from our old life, which was set against God and turning to Christ. It's denying ourselves. It's dying to self. But it's also placing our faith in Jesus, following him, leaving that old life behind and leaning wholly and completely on the perfect life of Christ and the sacrificial death of Christ for the complete forgiveness of our sin and restoration for God, to God. It's believing that Jesus is who he says he is and he has done what he said he came to do. Something that we couldn't do for ourselves. See, the problem of our sin is not just that we've made a few mistakes in our life. It's not just that we've messed up a little bit along the way that we've made some bad decisions. It's that we've rebelled against the one true and holy God of all creation. It's that we've said, I want to be you, God. But this is the beauty of the gospel and Christ's call to us. As one pastor says, he says, Christianity does not begin with our pursuit of Christ, but with Christ's pursuit of us. Christianity does not start with an invitation we offer to Jesus, but with an invitation Jesus offers to us. Jesus comes to us. Jesus invites us to know him and to follow him and in that to experience life. But see, I think this is where it gets a little uncomfortable for us. 
Our American culture, our Western culture, prides itself on being a self-made man or woman. On, on achievement, on success, on significance in our personal destiny. But when you are spiritually dead, and the author of life comes to you and calls you to himself and says, It isn't about you. You aren't God. I am. And I give you myself. And the riches of my kingdom follow me. When, when he comes to you and he says that to you, it confronts the deepest core issue that all of us have. And that's the desire to be in control, to be the Lord of our own life. But what Christ is saying to us is that you're not in control. You're not your own master. You never have been and you never will be. If you don't know me, if you don't follow me, then you're enslaved to your sin. But the good news is Christ has pursued us. Christ pursued us when we were dead in our sin, and now he calls us to follow him out of death, out of darkness, and into life and light. Well, Jesus explains more. Verses 25 and 26, he says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Man, this is the paradox of the inverted kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the way to life is death. And the way to death is to hold on to your life. As one man famously said many years ago, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls you, he bids you to come and die. But this is not a physical death. This is about laying down your old life, taking up your cross and following Jesus. It's saying that everything this old life was trying to offer me, everything I was trying to hold on to is worthless compared to knowing and following Jesus. But the good news, Jesus, the good news is that Jesus doesn't just call us from a distance. He doesn't call us from a place of superiority, though he is superior to us. He calls us from a place of participation. When Jesus bids you come and die, he says to you, I have already died for you so you can throw off your old life. You can die to yourself and walk in the newness of life that I give to you. In that is freedom. In that is life. As another pastor says, says you and I are not saved from our sin primarily because we decided to do something however many years ago. Instead, we are saved from our sin ultimately because Jesus decided to do something 2,000 years ago. Man, that's the basis of our call to lay down our life, our old life, and follow him in new life. There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that I can do to make ourselves right before God. That's the reason Christ came for you. He came so that we might be washed clean and made new. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, trusting in Christ's life, death, and resurrection for forgiveness. But this faith now produces new fruit. And the fruit of this real faith, of this true faith, is following Jesus because he is Lord. If we really have faith in Jesus, if we really believe the gospel, then the fruit of that, what's going to come out in our life is that we are going to walk away from our old life and seek to follow Jesus as Lord. As one commentator said, death to self is not so much a prerequisite to discipleship as it, as it is a continuing characteristic of it. 
We have to continually die to ourselves and continue to follow Jesus because all of our life is him conforming us more and more to, him, to his image as we seek to follow after him. Our life in Christ begins with repentance and faith and it continues in repentance and faith. Jesus is Lord and that changes everything for us, how we live our life. See, the paradox of Christ's kingdom is that life and freedom are found in dying and coming under the lordship of Christ. Do you see that paradox? The the paradox of Christ's kingdom is that life and freedom are found in dying and submitting ourselves to the lordship of Jesus. That's amazingly freeing news for us. Listen to these words about the lordship of Jesus. Jesus says this to you this morning. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, who you've seen, all the people who have been seeking to, to atone themselves before God, of seeking to be significant, to find peace, to find security, or burdened by something, all of you come to me, and I will give you not rules, not regulations, not rituals to follow. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sin makes us captive. It places a heavy burden of bondage on us. But Christ comes to offer us freedom. Man, the words of Matthew chapter 11 should be sweet words to us. They should be encouraging words to us that Jesus says, if you want to have rest for your soul, if you want to be made alive, then come under me. Come follow me. Again, we don't see Jesus say, follow rules, follow regulations. Jesus says, follow me. We're called to Christ himself. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Come to me and find rest. Jesus' call to lay down your life and follow him as Lord is not oppressive. It's not dictatorial. It's not burdensome. It is glorious. It is mind-boggling. It is a loving invitation to freedom and fullness and to the abundant life. And when I say the abundant life, I'm not talking about health. I'm not talking about wealth. I'm not talking about prosperity and the things of this world. I'm talking about the riches of the kingdom of God, namely that he gives you himself. And it's all of grace. It's all of grace because there is nothing you can do to earn it. There is nothing you can do to gain it. There is nothing you can do to fabricate it. Christ died for you so that you can die to yourself and follow him. Man, this should prompt worship in us. This should stir our affections and our thankfulness for Christ our Lord and God our Father and the Spirit our Helper. And this is why we need to hear the gospel over and over again. Because we struggle to follow Christ. We continue to battle the old life. We continue to think and be lured back to thinking the old way of living. My old self is better than submitting to and following the Lordship of Jesus. We like the idea, idea of the benefits of the kingdom, but not following the king. But when we hear the gospel and we turn our gaze away from ourselves once more and onto Christ, our affections are stirred and we realize how worthless our sin really is. We realize how worthless the promises of this world really are, how empty they really are. And so then we don't try harder. We don't seek to do better. We continually look to Christ who died and was raised and we follow after him. 
Jesus saves us from our sin and he satisfies our souls as we follow him as Lord. He's not holding out on you. He's not holding out on you. He's not an oppressive ruler or leader. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords who gives life to you. And he says to you now, follow him. Do you need rest this morning? Lay down the burden of rule following. Lay down the burden of performance. Lay down the burden of being successful. Lay down the burden of getting and having more money and more things. Lay down the burden of impressing people. Lay down the burden of seeking sexual gratification and satisfaction. Lay down the burden of finding your worth and your value and your significance and your peace and your joy and your comfort and your security in anything or anyone else and come to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Know Jesus. In him and through him and by him alone will you find rest for your weary soul. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. See, when Jesus asked the question, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? It's not a rhetorical question. It's a real question with a real answer. And the answer is nothing. Life and freedom are not found in the things of the world. They're not found in money or relationships or jobs or status or position or pursuits or pleasure. They're not found in religious rule keeping and looking like you have it all together. It is found in knowing and following Jesus. Now, we have to ask another question. You may be thinking, okay, this is all good news for us. This is exciting. This is encouraging news for us. And it's challenging for us because we're called to do something that is against our nature, against our desire. Because Christ is coming in and invading our whole life. But what in the world does it have to do with us being on mission This series is about being on mission. This series is about being the sent ones. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I am sending you. What does this have to do with that? Well, here's the reality. What you believe about being a disciple of Jesus will impact what you do when you call others to become disciples of Jesus. What what you believe about being a disciple will impact what you do when you call others to become disciples. From Jesus' words, we have seen that being a disciple means we die to ourselves, our old life, and we wholeheartedly and follow, fully follow Jesus as Lord. It's the life of repentance and faith. But the problem is, I think the reality for some of us is, when we get into conversation with someone, we're seeking to talk to them about Jesus. This isn't always what we communicate. See, if you believe that knowing Jesus is about following rules and laws, then you're going to lead others to believe the same thing. If you believe that knowing Jesus is just a mental assent to truths, you're going to lead others to believe the same thing. And there's no life in any of these things. There's only life in the truth of what Jesus has said to us. To follow him as Lord as we continue to repent of our old life and follow him in faith in new life. Sojourn, if we're going to make disciples, then we need to be disciples who truly know and follow Jesus. And so I want to call us to two things this morning based on what Jesus tells us. And the first thing for all of us this morning that we need to do is is know and follow Jesus ourselves. So my question for you is, do you know him? Do, Do you follow him? Do you truly know Jesus? Do you truly follow Jesus? 
When I was in middle school and high school, I don't think I really understood what it meant to follow Jesus. I liked the benefits of the kingdom of God, but I didn't like the idea of following the king. I believed I needed Jesus to save me from my sin, but I didn't believe that trusting in Christ meant that I had to die to my old self and follow him as Lord. But I've learned that now by God's grace, but I need to continue to be reminded of it because I continue to struggle with it. Well, what about you? Do you know truth about Jesus or do you know Jesus? Do you just know facts about Jesus or do you know him? Do you follow him? Have you been made new? We are not going to be effective on mission if we are only telling people facts about Jesus and not telling them about the Jesus that we know and we follow. When we know and follow Jesus, everything changes for us. Everything changes for us. He, he, he doesn't leave us where we are. He changes everything for us. And we can then, along with Paul, say, like he does in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I deny myself. I take up my cross. I follow him And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We can say, along with Paul from Romans 6, that we are no longer captive to sin. That we've been buried with Christ in his death and we've been raised to new life. And now we are no longer captive to sin, but we're captive to grace. When we follow Jesus as Lord, we can say with Paul, as he does in 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Is the reality of the grace of God and the lordship of Christ and the power of the Spirit changing your life? Do you see your desires and your wants and your purpose and your focus and your relationships and your lifestyle being changed as you follow Jesus? When you have truly repented and believed the gospel, everything changes for you. You cannot look at life the same anymore. So what do you do this morning if you find yourself being convicted by the spirit? I believe that you haven't been knowing Jesus, that you haven't been following Jesus. Man, whether that's for the very first time or the thousandth time, the same answer is true for you this morning. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from your old life and turn to Christ and follow him. Lean fully and wholly on his grace that he gives to you to transform you and change you and make you like himself. In church, when you are captivated by Jesus, when you are following Jesus, then talking about Jesus and telling others about the life you have in him now becomes the natural overflow of your life. It's just a part of your life. When Jesus is Lord of your life, you can't help but talk about it because it's the reality of your whole life. So we need to know and follow Jesus if we're going to make disciples. And the second thing that I want to call us to this morning is I want you, as you know and follow Jesus, to call people to know and follow Jesus. See, our culture demands a a domesticated Jesus. It it demands and and craves after a boutique Jesus who, who blesses us, who satisfies us, who prospers us, who fills us, who thrills us, but doesn't ask too much of us. We like to customize our Jesus But we need to hear again and we need to tell people about Jesus, the real Jesus, 
who doesn't offer to satisfy our sin-stained desires. That's not the kind of Jesus I want to know and follow. And that's not the kind of Jesus we can be telling people about. He doesn't promise to satisfy our sin-tainted desires, but he promises to give us new hearts with new desires as we follow after him. Man, don't call people to Jesus or offer Jesus to them like it's a band-aid for a cut. Don't offer Jesus to people. Don't call people to Jesus as if he's just a crutch for a bum leg. Call people to Jesus because they're dead in their sin and need new life. Oftentimes we don't want to offend people. Or maybe it's because we don't understand and believe the eternal realities of the gospel. That we don't address the most serious need and reality of anyone who doesn't yet know and follow Christ, who hasn't repented and believed the gospel. If a person doesn't know Christ, they are dead in their transgressions, Ephesians chapter 2 says. So we can't offer them spiritual perfume to spray on dead bodies. Because all that does is cover up the odor. It doesn't fix the deadness. And don't offer people a domesticated Jesus. Don't offer people a custom-made Jesus. Tell them about the real Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who says, I've come to you to rescue you, so leave the old life behind and follow me. Give people Jesus, King Jesus, the risen Jesus, who's full of grace and truth. Don't give people rules. Don't give people regulations to follow. Don't call people to easy believism and cheap grace. Call them to Jesus, who is both Lord and Savior. See, I think the problem is, and what happens is, when we don't call people to repentance and faith, when we don't call people to actually knowing Christ and following Christ in all of life, what we communicate is that it's okay to want the benefits of the kingdom of God, but not follow the king. It's like saying someone can be a believer in Jesus for the benefits of Jesus, but only be a disciple of Jesus if they really want to. But there's no biblical category for this. You're either dead in your sin or you are alive in Christ. And when you're alive in Christ, that means that you follow Christ. To be a Christian saved by grace, we have to believe that Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross for our sin and rose again from the grave. And when we call people to know and follow Jesus, we're calling them to believe the gospel. And when we call people to believe the gospel, we're calling them to recognize the depth of their sin and rebellion and their need to be rescued and restored. We're calling them to lay down their old life and trust in Christ as Savior and follow him as Lord for new life. When you truly know Jesus, when you truly follow Jesus, everything changes for you and that is Glorious news for us. Don't shortcut that. Don't leave that out for people. Tell them what Christ is calling them to. As the Father sent the Son to us because we weren't looking for Him. As the Father sent the Son to us, so He sends us to people who He loves. And He sends us with the same message of grace and life. It isn't all you have to do. It's look at what Jesus has done for you. Look at what He's done for you. The gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. Our world perceives that the way of following Christ, coming under his lordship, dying to ourself is difficult and is hard. But Christ comes to make a way. Christ comes to be the way. 
And Christ leads us in the way as we follow him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Jesus is Lord of your entire life. So call people to know him. Call people to follow him. For in him is light and life for all people of all times. Next week, we're going to get more specific and get more practical about what it means to live missionally in our everyday life. But today, what I want us to rest in, what I want us to see is this is the core content of what we're sharing with people. Maybe you're getting fired up about being on mission. Maybe you're being challenged and convicted about being on mission. Then you find yourself going, I don't know what to say. What what am I supposed to tell people? Man, this is it. This is it. Tell them about Jesus. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Tell them this. This is the good news of Christ. And when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. As we close, I want to read from 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Look, Jesus is calling. But he's calling you to follow him. He's calling you to know him. To follow him and be transformed to be like him for his glory and for your good. Sojourn Church exists to glorify God by making disciples. Disciples who know the gospel, who live out the implications of the gospel, and share the message of the gospel. So let's do this, Sojourn. Disciples make disciples. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and let the overflow of your own discipleship lead you to call others to the same amazing grace that you've experienced. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. To be satisfied both now and eternally comes in and through Christ alone. And as we come forward to take communion every week, we are reminded that the bread of life has given his body and shed his blood that you might have life. As you come up this morning to take the bread, know that Jesus is Savior and Lord who bore your burdens on his back. As you drink the cup this morning, know that Jesus is Savior and Lord who shed his blood for your sin. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. As you come forward this morning, remember, be refreshed in the reality that when Jesus calls you to follow him, he calls you to rest in him. For his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Come to Jesus. Maybe this morning you need to hang out in your seat and just pray and ask God for his grace because you know that you haven't been following after him as he's called you to this morning. Maybe you've been living with and enjoying the benefits of the kingdom of God, but not wanting to follow after the king. So I encourage you to bring that before the Lord in this morning. Practice repentance and faith but then quickly come to the table to be refreshed in the grace that God has given to you so that you might walk out of here following him with vigor and enthusiasm.
But if you're not a follower of Christ, we would just ask you not to come forward to take communion with us this morning. And the reason for that is because when we come forward to take the cup and take the bread, what we're declaring is, is that we are desperate for God's grace and we believe that Jesus is Lord. And if you don't believe that yet, if that's not true for you yet, if you're still wrestling with that, then we don't want you to come forward to take some bread and take some juice. We want you to take Christ. We want you to know the Jesus that we know and that we love and that we follow. So just hang out in your seat. Pray, ask God to reveal himself to you. Repent and believe the gospel so that you can come forward next week and take the bread and take the cup as a follower of Jesus. And if you have questions about what that means, about what it, what it really looks like for you to trust in Christ, then please come talk to me. Talk to your community group leader, any of our other leaders here. Those of you that will come forward, you can come forward when you're ready to receive the elements. And tear off a piece of bread and take a small cup to drink. And what Jesus has done for you will be spoken over you. And you can take it immediately or when you get back to your seat. May the Spirit work mightily in you this morning, no matter where you're at. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the clarity of your word this morning, that Jesus' call is clear. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Father, I confess that even in my own life, I know that there are always areas of my life where I am not willing or wanting to lay them down, to see them crucified, to follow you. Lord, continue to probe my own heart. Keep me back from presumptuous sin. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, I pray that we would be a church that understands what it means to be a disciple. That we wouldn't buy into lies of legalism and rules. That we wouldn't buy into lies of easy believism and cheap grace. That we would believe the gospel and respond to it by seeing the worthlessness of our old life and the empty promises of this world, and that we would follow Jesus. Lord, help us to do that. We can't do it on our own. We need your grace. We need the power of the Spirit. And Lord, as we follow you, I pray that it would just overflow in our life to tell other people, to call other people to follow you. Lord, let us make disciples by being disciples. And as we become stronger and stronger disciples, I pray that we would open our mouths more and more and that you would call more and more people to yourself. Lord, we desire to see people in Fairfax redeemed. We desire, desire to see people restored to you. Help us to be faithful to the call to go and tell them, teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded us. And Lord, we thank you that you go with us in that. Help us to rest in your grace this morning, to rest in you, our Lord, our King our Savior. We pray this in your name. Amen.